Why, hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards. I am your host of the Pure and Simple Bible podcast. Very grateful to have another Bible conversation that you get the chance to listen to. And I always get good feedback whenever I encounter people at meetings or uh, various churches whenever I go attend and worship with them. A lot of people listen to the show, and I'm very grateful for your support. Thank you. Keep it up. Please let me know that you enjoy it if you do. And if you don't enjoy it, then I suppose let me know what I can do to make it better. I would appreciate that as well. Just make sure it's a compliment sandwich, please. Now, this week on the podcast, uh, I've got Brother Jared Wilson. Brother Jared traveled with me to Cambodia recently. We just got back during the recording of this. We I think we'd been back for about a week. And uh, so Jared and I are going to talk for a while about his experience traveling to Cambodia, and then we're going to study the Bible with a study called Christ the Rock. It's a great one. You don't want to miss it. So let's jump right into the conversation, shall we? As is my custom, I like to first ask my my guests to tell me a little bit about themselves, because even though I know you, um, maybe some of my guests, or some of my listeners, rather, don't know you. So, Jared, why don't you take a minute and introduce who you are, your family, where you're from, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, my name is Jared Wilson. I live in Hilton, Oklahoma. It's a small town in southern Oklahoma. I uh, was born and raised. Uh, went to college at Oklahoma State University, and uh, now I'm a banker by trade. I'm a member of the East Lincoln Church of Christ, and I'm a, a congregational teacher here at the um, local church here in Hilton. I am married to my wife, Janine, and we have four kids. Uh, so stay busy with them and also my obligations at work and with the church also. So if ever there were two people who could, you know, potentially not get along, it'd be a Cowboys fan and a Sooner fan. And yet you and I found common ground in our, our Cambodia trip, right? That's right. We can, uh, keep, we can keep Bedlam <laughs> out of this. Yeah, I, I know I've known you, I would say probably for my entire life, although uh, for the majority of it, it's like we knew each other, said, hey, at meetings and stuff. But I don't know if we've we've, you know, spent a whole lot of time together. Right. That, that's right. Yeah, Jonathan, I've uh, known you and your family for as long as I can remember, I guess. But these last um, few years, you know, through um, meeting stuff like that, we've got to know each other better and uh, well through the work of Cambodia. Right. That's right. So the congregation at Hilton, um, I reached out for some financial aid for our trips, and y'all were very gracious to to support me in, financially in just airplane tickets and some of the, the work fund of, of traveling there and back. And uh, so I invited you to join me on one of these trips. In fact, this was a few years in the making because we were, we were scheduled to go in August of 2020. And uh, that kind of fell through, obviously, because of the the COVID uh, pandemic. But so you uh, and I just got back at, at the time of this recording. Um, we're we're about a week and a half back from a trip that we went on together to Cambodia, and so I wanted to. Uh, I want part of this episode to be a Bible study that you gave in Cambodia, and the other part of the study I wanted to it just, or a conversation rather, just to kind of be about your experience. So uh, maybe let's 
begin with that part, the the experience of going to Cambodia. So um, from your perspective, tell me about what it was like getting ready for the trip and getting on the plane and, and kind of getting into the country. What what was that like for you? Sure, I can talk about that. Um, and I actually remember you talk about this being two years in the making. Yeah, in 2020, you know, we were gearing up for it study-wise and all that, and then it fell through. And I remember when you texted me a few months ago, you asked, are you ready to go to Cambodia? And I said, I was ready two years ago. So I uh, <laughs> was ready then and um, was able to prepare that forward. But as far as, um, you know, the preparation beforehand, and um, I have a tendency to kind of downplay things and think, oh, I won't be that big of a deal. I can handle it. And uh, I sort of did that here. <laughs> I was uh, pleasantly surprised, though, as far as the, the trip overall in itself, you know, I uh, did a little bit of studying up with the country and all that stuff before I went over there, but um, nothing prepares you when you've never traveled outside the country until you actually go out there and do it. Right. Overall though, it, it was a great trip and I'm sure we'll get you know more into that. Yeah. And it's almost like a baptism by fire. When you step out of the airport, you're all of your senses are kind of overwhelmed Um and and you're meeting strangers who are also brethren and and you're kind of jet lagged from you know being on the other side of the world you've been on a plane for or in an airport you know or a plane for the past 30 hours or so so what was it like you know whenever we got picked up by wanting sopiak and they took us back to their house and so you're kind of sitting there in traffic and experiencing downtown Phnom Penh how did that go Oh yeah, it was a uh, sensory overload. Um, getting you know picked up by them, and they were very uh, gracious and warm and welcoming. But um, something as small as traffic over there is different from here in the states, and the amount of people up and down the streets, and uh, you know motorcycles driving everywhere and stuff like that. It is a little bit of a culture shock, and um, yeah. driving down down to get their house and all that stuff. It is, um, it is um, definitely a baptism by fire. But um, like I said, it's different from a, I'm in a town of 2,500 getting into a big city like that. And uh, like I said, the amount of things that you're not used to in here in the States, seeing in a third world country, it's definitely a shock. And yeah. like I said, even not knowing like the, it's a healthy experience to be somewhere where you're the minority and not speak the common language. And um, all those things were uh, definitely uh, a different experience. You know, even though there's a sensory overload with maybe the, the culture, one of the things that you and I talked about while we were there, and I'd love to maybe have you explain it to our listeners is finding the, the comfort and the, the peace of what we have in common with our brethren around the world. So you got to experience hospitality from our Cambodian brethren. You also got to experience worship with our Cambodian brethren. And what was that like to uh, both be on the receiving end of just every type of hospitality possible, where we really kind of put our lives in the in the hands of wanting Sopiak and our meals and our um, uh, clothes cleaning, et cetera, where we were staying. But then also, you know, pretty quick we were worshiping and, uh, you know, to do what we do in America, in another country, 
where you don't know anybody and yet there is that common bond. Can you take a few minutes and, and kind of walk us through hospitality and worship? Yeah, sure. Um, that was very humbling um, to receive the hospitality and the uh, generosity uh, from them. And it's something that I was very thankful for. And it was uh, great to receive that. You know, we talk about being generous and giving hospitality, but also being on the receiving end, it's a blessing too. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I remember well, Wani was introducing us to some neighbors and uh, different guests around. Um, the first time he was going around, like, introduce you, then there's me, and he said, uh, this is my brother. And um, even though we're separated by an ocean and miles, we still have that uh, common ground in Christ. Yeah. And that's such a, a special connection. Yeah. And um, you see it the most in the worship service, too. That was really the first Sunday, really the last. They were highlights of the trip um, to go through the same items of worship together and uh, experience that is very special. And it blessed be the tie that binds, you know, it's uh, something I've thought about. And uh, the going through the items of worship, I think I, I told you just about this, um, something like even the communion, like, when the brother was waiting at the table and was blessing the loaf and the cup, as it was getting translated over to us, it sounded like a, one of the brethren back home leading that prayer. And it was just a, a special moment to be able to see the unity that we have in Christ that transcends cultures and countries and uh, see that all together was a, a great experience and it makes it so much more meaningful, I guess. Uh, for me that I didn't experience before. I like the word you use, it transcends, because uh, I felt the same way. I felt it uh, many moons ago, my first time to travel abroad, and then all of the, the places that I've been. Uh, I have been some places where the translating is very weak, and so you, you, you barely even know what's going on. But then as soon as the worship starts, and so you're singing, and uh, there's communion and collecting, and Bible, you know all those the items of worship. It really is a, a healthy reminder that when we talk about the brotherhood, I, I think I'm guilty of it as much as anyone is. But a lot of times we do have a very like finite view of that here in our country, like the brotherhood only exists in the lower 48, um, but or the continental 48, I should say. But when we talk about brotherhood, we are talking about the church around the world. And, you know, they're just as much as part of the brotherhood as we are. And so to experience the brotherhood in Cambodia, it really is a special thing. I'm glad you got to experience that for a couple of Sundays. Oh, for sure. And I, I mean, I appreciate the invite to be there and, uh, like I said, to be able to experience that. And it, like I said, it does make it more meaningful that it's easy over here sometimes to kind of go through the motions and kind of get used to it. But um it's special all the time. And this just, I think, reinforces that, um, how precious the items of worship. And we all have that same um, scriptural following of what we do. And that's what ties us and binds us together, you know, all the way across the world in Christ. Now, uh, we, we crammed a lot into a little amount of time. But very quickly, uh, within just a few days, you uh, were able to tour some of the city and kind of get a, a, a perspective on how they lived. And then you were able to worship and experience how the church there gathers together. And then you also had, we had a preacher study where there was 
um, a few days of preachers coming in from different parts of the country, congregational teachers coming in as well. And uh, you participated in that. Well, what was your experience like? You know, we're studying from nine in the morning till five at night. The elements, sometimes it was hot and and dusty and tiring. And other times it was pouring down rain and, and we had to scream over the, you know, the sounds of rain on that tin roof. Uh, what what was it like for you during those days? Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the studies from, you know, in the morning all the way to the evening and be able to interact uh, with the brethren from the different uh, cities and towns that were able to make it there for it. And um, I, and I learned a lot, you know, uh, I learned hearing from you, but also even from the uh, Cambodian brethren. And that, that was a good experience to be able to um, hear from them and hear the things they taught on. And uh, it was my first time to speak with the translator. That was a new experience. And uh, it takes some getting used to, but you find yourself getting in a rhythm. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think all that went well. And uh, But overall, I enjoyed the studies, enjoyed the feedback uh, with them. And they seemed very receptive uh, to things that were taught and would uh, have good comments even during the studies or afterwards. And communicating with them, I had to have Wani around to translate or you, but was able to pick up Google Translate, and that was fun. <laughs> I was talking back and forth, communicating between the studies with them. Um, sometimes it wouldn't pick up exactly the words, but between pointing and using hand gestures, you can get through it uh, with Google Translate. Yeah. Too. You know, we think about how awkward it is to not be able to speak a language with someone, but there, there was a comfort about it being brethren and so even though you're not able to, to state a point completely, um, yeah, you're, you're even when you're pointing and just kind of uh, mimicking each other, uh, you feel you feel close to each other, you know. For sure. And you actually mentioned something before we left about um, they'll be gracious knowing that we are foreigners and stuff like that. And you definitely feel that on. Well, at least I felt that over yeah. there that they give grace to the ignorant, which is what I was, it felt like sometimes. And uh, that, that's comforting to know. Mm-hmm. And they were very opening, well, never condescending, even if it asked a question or would be in left field as far as the language barrier. But that, that was never the case. And it was great also to see the hospitality as far as I was impressed with Sopiek and a brother Chob's wife preparing the meals. I mean, those two in a, a little kitchen like that were able to feed 15 to 20 every day uh, lunch and dinner, and they, and they did an excellent job. Yeah, they and did. I was thankful for it, and I was really impressed. I mean, it shows that you don't have to have um, sometimes the things that we think are necessary in the kitchen to turn out a good meal. Uh, they they proved that wrong. They you can do it. Oh yes, with what they had, they did an excellent job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always well fed whenever we go there, and I hope you like rice, you know, listeners, uh, because you're going to get it three times a day. But they're they're going to prepare some delicious meals uh, that go along with it. Final question um, before we jump into uh, a study together. Uh, that was the longest you'd ever been away from your wife and kids. What was that like? Yeah, that was something that um, it was the longest. It's something I was, you know, trying to mentally prepare for and I realized that was coming. And uh, that was, uh, it, it was, it's, you know, it's easy to get homesick, and, and that's um, definitely felt that. I felt on my end, and they felt on their end. But thankful for technology that we can still communicate, and as long as we had Wi-Fi service, we'd be able to have communication and be able to FaceTime and see each other. 
but the uh, screen's only so good. You know, you can't, the physical touch means something. And you uh, realize that being gone that long. Yeah. And it uh, makes you thankful and appreciate your family that much more. It does. And, uh, but again, like I said, it was a good experience on my end and even on Janine and the kids' end to see what it's, you know, to be able to see what it's like without dad around. And I think it makes, you know, them appreciate me and me also definitely appreciate and love them uh, when I can't have them around as much. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've told you this already, so it's really more for the listener than you, but uh, I really don't like being gone from my family. And even though I do this uh, at least once a year where I'm gone for a few weeks, um, it's, it's really a low point, you know, and I turn into a sad sack so I can, uh, even though it's, it's a job that I love, one of the downsides is being away from Rissa and the kids. And so, um, that's always tough. Now I said it was the last question, but I guess my real last question is, is there something else that you wanted to bring up about Cambodia that maybe I forgot to mention, um, that, that you, you want to bring up to our listeners? Sure. Um, our, uh, trip out to the provinces oh, too, right, I thought right, was right, um, right. another aspect of the trip yeah. that was, um, I thought it was a good experience, you know, and it was able to see a, another part of Cambodia. And I'm thankful that we were able to go on that instead of just staying in Phnom Penh the whole time. And um, our uh, motorcycle ride out there in the rain, you know, adds to it. I've uh, told the people back home about that several times <laughs> that were waiting at that little of kind of convenience store or whatever, the clouds are coming in and you're telling Lonnie, we're about to get soaked. We better get out of here. And the motorcycles pull up. And then you said these momentary light afflictions and that's <laughs> was a really part of it. Yeah. And so, uh, but that was a, another humbling experience to be able to get, uh, receive the hospitality from them and uh, be able to share a meal together and have several studies. That was another uh, good highlight of the trip to be able to uh, experience that. You know, when we lived there, we drove motos around the country, uh, really in the, in the city mainly. So when we moved back to the States, I kind of so just said to myself, no more. You know, I'm done with that. Uh, I, I don't want to put myself into that, any sort of uh, potential danger. So I'm just going to stick to the cars from that point on. And then in during this trip, whenever Wani says, all right, hop on the back of that and they're going to take you out to the village and that paved road turned into a dirt road the dirt road turned into a pathway and the pathway turned into nothing and we're literally just driving through the forest or the pasture to get to their village you know you, you you're holding on for dear life hoping you don't fall off into the mud pit or you know uh into the little river that you're going across at times but that is a, i wish people could understand firsthand what it's like it's it can be a little overwhelming but you, you just kind of hold on and, and have faith, right? Well, that's right. Whenever they were pulling up, there was certain people I wanted to ride with versus other ones based on age and experience, I felt like. <laughs> and uh, But it was, uh, when you stop and look around, the, the country is gorgeous over there. I mean, as far as the, uh, you know, the, the, the green, the scenery and all that stuff, it really is a beautiful place. Yeah. And uh you don't enjoy it as much on the moto out there in the rain and trying to hope you don't wreck, but on the way out was able to slow down and experience that. And I was thankful for it. Yeah. Well, brother, I'm glad you got to go and I'm glad you're able to, to advocate in a way for uh, the work there and, and just share good stories with others about it. 
I think exposure is one of the most helpful things that people know that there's faithful churches over there and there are people who love the Lord and they love the truth. So I'm glad you got to go. And while you were there, um, one of the studies that you shared with our uh, preaching brethren was from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and the title of it was called Christ the Rock. I guess maybe I'd like to begin by asking, uh, when was it that you wrote this? You know, what was on your mind? Uh, what was your motivation behind writing the study? I've really, I mean, I've read this scripture before, but really, what made it come to light and maybe uh, want to study it further was a a book I'd read. I was in a a book club, which I called a book club or Bible study group, whichever one, with uh, Brother Nathan Batty and um, some other brethren across the country where we would read a book together and would meet up once a week and discuss a, a chapter. Well, we were reading a book called The Unfolding Mystery, uh, Discovering Christ in the Old Testament by Edmund Clowney. Um, it's a great book, and he does several what we would call type-antitype relationships or basically pull out scriptures that either um, specifically mention or reference Christ in the Old Testament, and he shows that connection to the New. Well, one of his chapters was dedicated to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 4. And after reading that chapter, it was kind of a eye-opening chapter to me, and so it uh, made me want to study it further and put together a sermon over it. For, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the Scripture, I, I'd like to read it real quick and maybe offer up some questions, and then maybe you can start to unpack it for us. Sure. Um, but I'm going to read verse 1 through 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So, you know, look, just kind of casually reading through this, you know, obviously the 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 antitype or the the fulfillment is that Christ is a rock, but what rock? You know, is a question I might ask. And what does it mean to be baptized into Moses? And what does it mean to eat this spiritual food or drink this spiritual drink? There's just a lot of questions I have in these four verses. So where would be a good place to start to appreciate what's going on here? That, I mean, that's understandable. And at first glance, it could be confusing what's going on here. The overall context of the, these first few verses of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's trying to uh, teach the Christians at Corinth a lesson about um, staying faithful uh, and remaining faithful to God. He talks about striving for the crown at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and he carries that forward to some Old Testament examples. And he's basically saying, look to the children of Israel and strive and look at their examples of where they made that pitfalls in the Old Testament as they were making their way to the land of Cain, the promised land. Let that example uh, motivate you to stay faithful to God. And so he says, don't be unaware that all of our brethren were under the cloud, all past the sea, all were baptized into Moses and into the sea. He's talking about that crossing of the Red Sea and how it was really a, uh, a type 
of our baptism into Christ. And now that we are Christians and we're making our way to heaven. And he talks about that uh, God supplied them with spiritual food and spiritual drink. And so he's referencing the story in Exodus and making a, a Christian application now. I, I remember whenever you, you presented this in Cambodia, you spent a little bit of time talking about um, the Old Testament story and then the New Testament application and uh, a scripture that you that you use to kind of help our brethren understand it is Colossians 2.17. And it says in that verse, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So how does that scripture help define the Old Testament's purpose and the New Testament's purpose? Sure. What What's being taught in Colossians 2 and verse 17 is the things that were in the Old Testament, they were shadows of Christ. Basically, there were symbolisms and references to Christ, but you can't uh, see him fully until you get into the New Testament. And I talked about, you know, if you look at a person's shadow, you can get certain physical characteristics about them. You can tell if they're um, tall or short or uh, skinny, not so skinny. I even said if they have long hair or pointed myself, they have no hair. You know, you can pick out some of those characteristics of a person it's the same way in the Bible. There are certain hints at the gospel and the church and of Christ, but they're not fully developed until you actually see the person. And that's the way it is in the Bible. Um, just like it is with our shadow, you see physical characteristics, but when you actually see the person, then you know them fully. And it's the same way in the Bible. We get hints and pictures of Christ and the church and the gospel. But when you get to the New Testament, then you finally see it. There was a quote uh, by a, a Church of Christ preacher years ago named W.L. Oliphant, and he said, In the Old Testament, the new is concealed, but in the New Testament, the old is revealed. And that's right. We understand the Old Testament when we read through the New yeah. Testament. We see it, those yeah. connections made. Yeah, I love that. I wrote that down in my notes whenever you uh, stated that during the study, I, I feel like it's such a powerful yet simple way to explain what the Old Testament's purpose was for. It was uh, the, New, the New Testament concealed, and you know it's this uh, series of books that's meant to kind of lead us to Christ. Uh, it makes me think of, and again, Jared, you and I, we had a lot of conversations together over the past two weeks. So some of the things that we're both bringing up here, we have already talked about. Maybe those were like our dress rehearsal. This is the, the actual performance. But anyway, um, one of the things that we talked about in this study uh, was how people in the New Testament uh, were converted to Christ through Old Testament scriptures. And a great example of that is young Timothy and how you know his, the faith that was in his grandmother and then in his mother and it's now in him and, you know, from his youth, Paul says um, in in Second Timothy, he uh, knew Christ from the scriptures. And it's like, what scriptures did he have? And he would have only had the Old Testament. And yet, uh, once Christ was revealed, then they could consider how the messianic way or the kingdom it really had been, its fingerprints were in the Old Testament the whole time. 
so it's what a you know beautiful example of how Old Testament uh, works and how it, it's concealing and then foreshadowing the time when Jesus comes. That's right. It's um, pushing you forward and looking for the Messiah. And then you see that was fulfilled in Jesus, that he was the Christ. And then that connection just follows through and, uh, you know, makes the picture be fully developed at that point. Now, I want to pause the study because you made a, a statement about two minutes ago that triggered a memory from Cambodia. And since I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about the study so that people can uh, better appreciate 1 Corinthians 10, but also they can appreciate our time in Cambodia. Um, you mentioned the shadow could be of someone with long hair or in reference to yourself, no hair. And that reminded me of our sweet little uh, friends, Grace and James, who are Wani and Sopiex kids, who asked you and me several questions that um, maybe on this side of the Pacific, you know, we might be a little offended if they were, you know, to ask them. But over there, it was so sweet and so cute. And one of them being, you know, uh, Bong Jared, where, where's all your hair was one of the ones that made me chuckle whenever they asked you that. And I remember going upstairs one time. And so James was watching me go up the stairs one day and he was like, Um, John, are you fat? <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, I don't think I'm fat. But, you know, so sweet for them to, you know, out of the mouths of the babe, so to speak. Right. Sure. You're right. And um, and they did appreciate the uh, hair on the arms to be able to, um, you know, would rub that and right. stuff like that, you know, and they, <laughs> and they uh, appreciated, you know, how um, things like that, that, you know, we don't oftentimes see. But like I said, out of the mouth of babes and kids, they're able to pick those things out and uh, talk about them comfortably huh. right yeah the, yeah you're bringing back another memory of just riding down the road and grace curling up next to me and, and just stroking my arms like uh, i was a furry cat or something so <laughs> good times now um back to the study um in colossians two seventeen, as we mentioned shadow and substance the old testament being a shadow of things to come the new testament being substance so uh, connecting that back to the the key verse in First Corinthians ten, the shadow is going to be the Exodus journey and kind of what happens during a specific time. Uh, so, could you maybe elaborate on that for a little bit? What, what was happening in in Exodus, uh, where the people are complaining and then and God takes action? What's what's going on? Set the stage for us before we get to the rock. Sure, the sure, and that's what I do in the study. I go back to uh, Exodus chapter 14. And in Exodus chapter 14, you have, that's where uh, the children of Israel, um, by the power of God and under the leadership of Moses, crossed the Red Sea. And that's where uh, Paul references that in uh, the first few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And so they are delivered from Egyptian bondage and they make their way across the Red Sea and now they start their wilderness uh, wanderings. Well, in chapter 16 of Exodus, they come to the wilderness of sin, and they have nothing to eat. Well, um, as usually the case, when you start to get hungry and you uh, start to get angry or hangry, the people start to complain. Well, God miraculously provides them with food. He gives them manna from heaven. And again, that's referenced in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, in chapter 17, the Bible says, 
after they leave the wilderness of sin, they come to a part that um, scholars actually say this was the worst part of the desert. Uh, temperatures got the hottest, uh, the climate was dry, and there was no water. There's no water for them to drink. And so they start to complain against Moses. And then they start, um, emotions probably get out of control, and they all start joining together. And they basically tell Moses, you brought us out here, and it looks like we're going to die of dehydration. We're going to kill you first. And so they get together and they say, we're going to stone you and complain against Moses. Well, God intervenes. And that gets us now to Exodus chapter 17, uh, verses 5 through 6. Do you want to read that or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll read it. Let me get my scripture. Exodus 17, yeah, verses 6. 5 and 6. Okay. Uh, it says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it and the people that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? All right, so we see... Um, God gives a solution. Uh, the people were complaining against Moses, complaining against God, that they were thirsty and they wanted something to drink. And so God says, Moses, take your rod that you uh, part the Red Sea and go to this rock and strike the rock. And he says, I will stand before you at the rock, strike the rock, and water will come out. And that's exactly what happened. Um, water burst forth from the rock, and the children of Israel would have something to drink and be able to be uh, fulfilled in that way. And what's interesting about this, in uh, David actually references this scene in Psalms. In uh, Psalm 105, verses 40 and 41, uh, the psalmist wrote, The people asked, and he brought quail, and satisfied them with bread of heaven. In verse 41, he opened the rock, and water gushed out, and it ran in a dry place like a river. And that's what happened. Uh, God gave them an outlet and told Moses to strike the rock and it gave forth water for them to be hydrated and uh, to be able to drink from. And so that's the story that Paul is referencing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to ask you next was uh, in verse 4, chapter 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4, they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So the New Testament is revealing something about this Old Testament story, that the, the rock is Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament, when I'm reading through Exodus, I may not see Jesus yet. So I needed the New Testament to, to reveal it for me. But kind of knowing that, you know, now that the New Testament's revealed it, what are some, uh, I don't know, uh, Maybe there's other scriptures. Maybe there's some signs or clues or something. What what can help me understand that the Exodus 17 rock uh, is Christ-like? Do you want the answer to that question? Well, you're going to have to come back next week. We're going to leave it as a cliffhanger. So you need to come back, listen to the second part of the study. Great Connection between the Old and the New Testament. This is one of those that's helpful for all believers who are at the beginning of your faith, uh, in the middle of your journey, or maybe you're in the twilight years. 
It's really good to make these connections between the Old and New Testament. It's through the Old Testament that the New Testament is concealed, and then it's through the New Testament that the Old Testament is revealed. So you got to know both of them. So come back next week, and until then, you can always go to the website to check out all the content that's there and it's usable and shareable, and it's all free to download. So check it out at www.pureandsimplebible.com. You can always email me at gmail, which is pureandsimplebible at gmail.com. And you can always share the content. You can subscribe and like it on all the platforms that you can find it on. So that would be appreciated. Thank you very much. And until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. 